to Breaking Lines. This is episode four. We've had a bit of a break since episode three, as regular listeners will have noticed. And uh, I've just kind of, I've got with me again, as usual, uh, Simon Cockle. Hello. And Jay Ward. Hello. I'm David Van Corter. And uh, what have you been doing in the last six months? Well, I've been writing uh, poetry, uh, not as much as I'd like to, but um, uh, finished the year with a bit of a flourish. Started this year pretty well. I've written three so far this year, which is good. Um, and doing some poetry readings at Shout or Whisper in uh, Hitchin at the Lavender Farm. Um, and that's been good. And um, that's really about it, poetry-wise. But, uh, yeah, what about you? What about me? Yes. Um, not much, really. Just writing, you know, late nights. Um thinking of uh i'm getting into uh, visual poetry a little bit mm-hmm. you know and uh using mixed media that kind of thing yeah um we uh, won't press you on that because no i'm sure if we know well i can't anyway it might all fall apart but yeah anyway. i don't want to give my ideas to no. straight away yeah um and um yeah just going around a lot of um art galleries and museums as well um mm. building up inspiration or as a way to write that's been pretty much it really you know sounds good enough yeah poetry wise yeah um that's all you can do isn't it right it is all, that is all you, you literally do, write yeah. just yeah. sit down and write well that's 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 the poetry game isn't it yeah. just literally writing isn't it <laughs> what about you david what do you do well i've been fairly busy uh the main reason that we've had this gap is because i've moved house so you are listening to this from a completely new location. We, yeah, we uh, got promoted, didn't we? We got promoted in the podcast league up to... <laughs> That's right, yeah. We're in League One. Now. Yeah, no, we, got, we had to get a better stadium. Well, <laughs> we, we've had an upgrade, uh, absolutely. Um, in, as Jodie Whittaker said the other day. Yes. Um, we're, uh, so now we're, in, uh, we're still in Hitchin, but we're now in the Poets Estate in Hitchin. Yes. yes. And, and that makes it... Sylvia, Sylvia Plath Drive, aren't we? Yeah. Yes. Sink. It's synced. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a very modern kind of term, isn't it? People are sinking, you know, things. So we we are literally surrounded by Keats Way and mm. you know all of the um, Dryden Close. I think it's down there. You know, but they're they're all here. So we are we are Stormsy Street. M and M Drive. M and M Drive. Yeah. And we're absorbing all of that kind of poetic energy, mm. and we're going to uh, in, inject. Breaking lines with with that. So yes. that's now, the plan, isn't it? It's poetry plus from it now is. on. Yeah, and uh, that's where we are. And not not only that, we have a brand new microphone, which you uh, you may have already be gasping mm. at the quality. Brand new, <laughs> and you mustn't go too close. Yes, we'll take we'll take a photograph of it and upload it to one of our many social media outlets. Oh, I think it is pretty smart looking, isn't it? It, it is. Does. Yeah. I mean, you did say it looked like some kind of airwick ball. Airwick ball. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. But but it's also you know kind of. Uh, yeah. I think it's got a touch of the radio studios. Oh, you like kind of old fashioned, old yeah. 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 Like that bit like. in Annie where they go in into the uh, radio place so they can record the um, the the advert for you never fully dress without a, a a hat, is it or a something? I can't remember. You know Annie, <laughs> don't you? We all know Annie, don't we? Oh, Annie, yeah, yeah. the um, singing the Woody Allen one. La singing. No, it's Annie Hall. Oh. <laughs> it's the one with. Uh, I'm struggling to remember that. It's scene. the one with uh, the sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom. 
Tomorrow. Oh, is it the one Hard Knock Life? It's Hard Knock Life. Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, with uh, is it Jay Z? Jay Z wrote it. Jay Z, yeah. I think, wrote Annie. Yeah. And then. Yeah. <laughs> but then Woody Allen stole it and made Annie Hall. Yeah. Yeah, and then Annie Get Your Gun, that was different as well. That yeah. was, yeah. And Psycho Annie is by the Velvet Underground. Yeah. So they're all connected. It's, it's, but it's all about the same Annie. It's like a Twin Peaks yeah. thing, isn't it? It yeah. is, yeah. Veers. Annie, yeah. Annie through the years, yeah. And, and the, years. the Annie Heribliss that uh, the Queen had, that's the same Annie as well. Yeah. What? Yeah. Annie Hall. That's the start of And we wonder song. why our podcasts are an hour and 40 minutes long. <laughs> So, that was the quick intro that we were going to record, Um, and uh, let's get on with the show. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Breaking Lines. And today, that's going to be our subject. Space, time, parallel universes. We did warn you... In the last episode, I think it was, that this might be come up as a theme. So we are good to our word, and here we are. And uh, we have some lovely science fiction, stroke, space, stroke, that kind of thing, aliens taking over, uh, poems to uh, discuss with you. So I think we're going to kick off with Jay. Yes, that was a nice intro. It reminded me of something. Well, I can't, can't quite... No, I'm no. scratching my head as well. Is it yeah. Doctor Who or Quater? One of the two, one of the two. I've got a poem called Space Time. It's by a poet called Miroslav Holob, um, who I think was uh, from uh, the Czech Republic and was a, a poet and scientist. So here we go. When I grow up and you get small, then, in Kaluza's theory, the fifth dimension is represented as a circle associated with every point in space-time. Then will I die... I'll never be alive again. Never. Never, never. Never, never. Yes, but never, never, never. No. Not never, never, never. Just never, never. So we made a small family contribution to the quantum problem of 11-dimensional supergravity. So what do you make of that? That, That's one of those poems you've got to read several times, isn't it, before you can kind of... Yes, definitely. Um... It's uh, it's one of those poems where, first of all, there's the scientific stuff that you're going to get your head round. Um, and then there's the sort of, there's all the repetition of never, isn't there? Like a kind of, like it's a child. It's a parent and child, I think. Yeah, I think so. Mm. But it doesn't specifically say that. Mm. But it is, I think. I think because it says the the word small family. Mm. Yeah, it's um, it's a it's a it's a dialogue, isn't it, between the between the two, between two sort of uh, persona in the in the poem. The eleven dimensional supergravity, though, that's that's all that kind of timey wimey stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Or Jeremy Baramy, as they call it in the in the good place. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like the imagination of it because I, mm. you, you, although it's, you know, heavily deep science, mm. it's also just intriguing the words mm. if, you, if you don't know them. 
I assume they're also. I, I mean, I assume they're in, incredibly interesting things in mm. and of themselves. Yeah. But they're also intriguing if you don't know too much about them. If someone says to you, "Eleven-dimensional supergravity," oh yeah, yeah, you find yourself thinking that's quite a collision of words. And hard to make it rhyme with anything as well, <laughs> or even scan. You know, yeah. eleven-dimensional supergravity. It's certainly not poetic, is it? As a phrase. No. Um, this is always the problem when you're writing about something scientific mm. to, to get those kind of words in and yeah. make it still sound like a poem mm. rather than a lecture. But but I also think, though, there's, of course, you know, the theme is space. I think this poet does something very interesting with spacing. What yes. do you think? I, well, I think there's just an interesting thing in in poetry in general because it can, you know... It can act as punctuation sometimes. It can. It can um, have lots of subtle meanings within it, you know? Very much so. Um, and um, it can help you play with language. Uh, this 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 idea, idea of visual art versus verbal art. Mm. What's happening in poetry when we read and do we, do we go to more interesting places when we're slightly confused by the yes. poems we're reading? So there's a what you're saying is a, in essence a typographical meaning as well as a yeah a linguistic meaning yeah I mean people have actually studied this in terms of they've 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 put eye tracking devices yeah on people as they read mm. poems yeah and seen how they've interpreted those poems yeah when they've been presented in different ways mm. if you think culturally we're used to reading a certain way left to right just for a basic example yeah do we somehow lose meaning or mm. lose further interesting interpretations yeah. of things yeah. um, just by a sort of everyday presentation of a poem yeah so i think spacing is spacing mm. away from space you know out there in the stars yes is really interesting to play about with I sometimes think of poetry as being like a uh, an explosion of ideas onto a page. And that's why it is allowed to break rules in yes. terms of the way that it looks. Mm. Because you're, you're kind of putting out there ideas, the, um, um, imagery, and it's just kind of put there. And you know, the best poems are all on one page. You, it's you a don't splurge really... on the page, isn't it? You just yeah. kind of splurge sorry I wouldn't really work in a podcast I just kind of moved my hands out <laughs> you splurged us I, I fanned <laughs> I fanned my fingers out in a splurging kind of gesture hmm. so yeah so it, it does it, I, I think that's what poetry is really. but it, even writing yeah. the word splurge on a piece of paper you, you could mm. separate the letters and it would look as the word yes the image that the word presents it could get quite yes. interesting I think poets should yeah. explore those sorts of things yeah. when they write. And, yeah, you can't be a good concrete poet. You know, because I, I, we tend to think that the page is neutral, mm. but maybe it's not. Maybe sometimes it puts all these cultural biases into us. Yes. And, and when do it's we remember it? And Western, we don't, yeah, it's pretty exactly. English Western yeah. way of, you know, traditional way exactly. of reading, isn't it? Yeah. But the poem challenges us to read things in a different way, doesn't it? I mean, it's only like Jackson Pollock, isn't it? Picking yeah. up his brushes and going... And doing his action painting. And yeah. going, what do you think of that? Yeah. Kind of interesting. And someone goes, actually, mm. I really like that, you know? Yeah. Um, as lo- I mean, I'm sure there's people that came along and went, actually, that's mm. really, really rubbish. But yeah. 
with art, you have to try. Mm. You have to try yeah. new things. You have to. And there've been a lot of poets boundaries. who have who have done that, and on the page look very visually different. I'm yeah. thinking of people like E. Cummings. You know, every every poem yeah. is just like bits everywhere. Yeah, and, he's telling you something, isn't he? He's yeah. trying to tell you mm. something. And and just using indents or making your stanzas just like different, not the same kind of mm. thing. That that's saying something. You know, it's sure. it, it's saying it, it's it's all part of the language. Mm. Um, uh, there's there's a lot to be said for a kind of traditional sonnet or something yeah. like that because that has its own structure as well. Yeah. Um, but if you free up, mm. if, you're, if you're freeing up your words and you're freeing up your punctuation, why not? Why not just mm. break all the rules and just and just go for it? And 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 the space, as you're saying, the space on the page is really important. Mm. There's about gaps. You you leave, why is that in the middle? And yeah. your, your eye kind of moves around. It's taking in that word maybe before that word, even though that's. Exactly. Yeah. Are you and pausing for some effect, mm-hmm. or is the word is the gap between one word and another word? Is it trying to make a different relationship between those two words that you don't always think about? And is it giving you a space in between to put your own interpretation onto things? Because sometimes when you read everything in a line, and the words follow after one after the other. You're kind of being dictated to a little bit. And that's all very well and good, especially if it's something beautiful that you're being told or, you know, an emotion that resonates with you. But um, I think sometimes it could be a slightly more fun and unique mm. to go the other way mm-hmm. and, you know, play about with presentation and spacing. And I think this poem, actually, like you said, it does go into that a little bit because the way mm. it's presented, there's a dash, which, which is in the mm. first line, there's a, there's a, which is like traditionally a pause or, a, mm. you know, a time to reflect. And then there's brackets, for, when he presents the science, Kaluza's theory, which is quite amazingly um, uh, spaceman sounding anyway, but I think it's just a coincidence. Like Kaluza, you know, from the planet, what you know, <laughs> is quite a spacey sounding name, mm. but it is a genuine theory about the, about the fifth dimension. And when I read it, I felt like he's talking about the fifth dimension is a circle associated with every point in space time. I felt like the poem was kind of veering between shapes as I read it because it's talking about shapes that are how we interpret our, our world. And it's, it's talking about the way we sort of move in our world and around our world. And it, 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 it is like literally between shadows and shapes. Mm. And so it, it marries up there the both the space and the spacing and also, I think it's quite a funny poem. Like, yeah. it's, you know, if you have a conversation with a kid and he's like saying, never, never, what, never, 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 mm. you know, it, it's, it's kind of funny. But mm. that's, as humans, we're the ones making these observations about space and time. No one else is going to be doing it. Yeah. Um, and kids bring that out of us, don't they? they? Let us reflect on what we think is obvious. Mm. I think it's good, and it's got that contrast between the kind of the childlike yeah. fascination with something that is actually very, very complex, yeah, and hard even for an adult to, to understand, yeah. Uh, and when you bring that together, you get this clash of, of ideas and concepts, um, which fits the, the theme of, of the poem and also the the structure of it. Yeah, I I I, I love it for that. I, I I also think there's quite a lot of emotion in it as well. I mean, it. it you might read it a couple of times and think it's quite dry, but I think it's quite quite emotional. You know, it's like we made a small family contribution. They were talking about big things and what is this? Where are we? This whole thing and how reduced we are. But it's it's a comfort sort of thing. It's like, well, at least we can talk about it and 
say that we saw all this and thought about the majesty or the the wonder of why everything is so timey-wimey I, I really like it for that I think there's emotion in it if you look up if you really dig deep into the poem the, these little interactions we have with our children or with um you know um just people you know kids that are wondering about the world maybe at school or whatever I think it's great like that I love it I think it's, it's such a sort of I feel that it's a bit of an underappreciated kind of poem sometimes for a lot of people when they first see it because it's a bit harder to grasp, maybe, without sounding patronising. Or I think you have to read it quite a few times to enjoy it. And now we've got Simon's Simon's poem. <clears throat> OK, Chris. Uh, right, so the poem I've chosen is Man in Space by Billy Collins. All you have to do is to listen to the way a man sometimes talks to his wife at a table of people and notice how intent he is on making his point, even though her lower lip is beginning to quiver. And you will know why the women in science fiction movies who inhabit a planet of their own are not pictured making a salad or reading a magazine when the men from Earth arrive in their rocket why they are always standing in a semicircle with their arms folded, their bare legs set apart, their breasts protected by hard metal discs. Kim, it, with that, this poem, I immediately get taken back to um, the sort of golden age of sci-fi and how we see those, you know, classic maybe B-movies or, you know, we all mm. stumbled across. Um, I really like the imagery for that. Mm. You know, the arms folded is, um, I've seen that in films, you know, and the, the, the UFO coming down to the planet. Um, yeah, there are always films like that kind of planet of women, aren't they? I yeah. don't know if that's an actual film, but it, it sounds like a plausible title. Amazon women on the moon. I'm that's it. Yeah. I think that's one of them. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, the dynamic between women and men, obviously mm. is, um, important in this poem. I think the thing about the poem is that you you've got the sort of the retro um, science fiction um, in in the last couple of stanzas, but of course it's built on the first stanza, which is the way men treat women and the power that men have over women, and and um, and I think you know the 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 sort of the the sense of physical threat. I think. It was a poem written in 1995, but I think it really resonates, you know, with the Me Too movement and so on. And and uh, it's a very powerful poem. Yeah, I mean, it's um, a poem about progress, isn't it? In a way, isn't it? Like asking a question about how we expect genders to behave in the future. Mm. Or, or it's maybe saying that, that this is this is what it's like to be a woman, and this is why oh, yeah, in science fiction yeah. women are on their own yeah. planets because they don't need men, and because they they need to be protected by hard metal discs because that's what men are like. Yeah, just so, the emotion of the interaction. Yeah, yeah. I get the feeling that this is based on the old the old idea of men are from Mars, women are from Venus. He's, mm. he's taken that concept. Um, I was yeah. it was written in. 95 or yes. published in 95 so yeah yeah so he probably was you know, thinking along those lines and saying how can mm. i show this in a kind of real 
real life situation mm. um, of um, using that same imagery, but but trying to um, domesticate it, perhaps. Mm. And um, but yeah, no, it's it's a very powerful poem, and it and it obviously it fits into the theme of space. But the title "Man in Space." Yeah. Almost kind of adrift as a result of their own behaviour, maybe, or or um, or men in space, as in, you know, sort of isolated, and this and and this is what they look like. This is what they're really like. You know, when you look look at men, so maybe sort of isolating men to see what they're really like, perhaps. But it's an interesting title. Yeah, I, I was just thinking. I was just thinking about that. How mm. is he? Is it? Asking a, um, the question of um, how men behave if given space. Yeah, it could be that, couldn't it? You know, as mm. as as much as this is a reflection on men mm. when they're given that you know realm of mm. wide space. Um, but you were talking about the honest behaviour that might come out. Yeah. Um, but. I find it um, kind of bleak like that as mm. well, though. You know, I feel kind of, I f- yeah. You know, I feel, as a man reading it, yeah, you feel a little guilty, maybe. It's a tough poem, isn't it, in that respect? Yeah. But, you know, <clears throat> definitely, what, 25 years old, but, but a very modern poem, I think. I'm going to be reading one of my own poems, which I wrote very recently. Um, It's a Pindaric ode, and I'm using that in a loose sense, more in the kind of a a meaning. uh, It's a uh, over-the-top tribute to a certain person rather than the uh, uh, the strict structural form of a Pindaric ode, which I won't go into now. We'll let you off just this one. (laughs) Following the Pindaric ode code. (laughs) You can look it up. I believe there's a thing called Google. Anyway, mm-hmm. this is this is <laughs> fancy. <laughs> I heard of that. I've read about that the other day as well. Yeah. Um, so this is a Pindaric code to DNA, translated from the Vogon. The double helix of your narratives connected the multiverse, and we were the hitchhikers being swept along. I write these forty-two lines from my reality to yours the one where God is making some more of his greatest mistakes. And although you did not go, and although you did not go there gently, heart attack in the gym, I like to think you'd have appreciated the savage irony. Inspired, I'm now scared to get fit, rereading you from the comfort of a sofa placed on the stairs at an impossible angle. I started writing this a year ago for a workshop deadline, But like you, I love the sound that deadlines make as they go whooshing by. Yours passed in 2001, but you are still here, trying to perfect the ending. You were a babel fish, translating everything from the ridiculous to common sense, wrapped up in a slice of lemon, a gargle blaster to the brain. Your ideas will always hang in the air in exactly the same way that bricks don't. Even now, there are alien societies absorbing you with towels, learning to value all the inconsistencies of life. Life. Don't talk to me about life. 
Nice. Yeah, you see, when when it got to the the line uh, about heart attack in the gym, I suddenly thought, oh yeah, that's Douglas Adams. And then of course I looked at DNA, and I thought, oh yeah. So, what was Douglas Adams' middle name? Neil. I think. Neil. Yeah. So that so DNA is his initials. I see. Right. So yeah. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's yeah, and I like the way you've kind of worked in some of the the lines from the books as well. Um, like about the bricks, the way that bricks don't. That's and a direct steal. Yes, it is. One. Yeah, and um, but yeah, that, yeah, that was very affectionate. It's kind of playful and affectionate, which is kind of what Douglas Adams was like, really, isn't it? So it's it's clever, playful, and and affectionate, and um, yeah, I really like it. And it definitely is a Pindaric ode in that sense, because it is a, it is a, it is definitely a tribute. And I like the fact that it's translated from the Vogon. But I won't ask you to read it out in the original Vogon. <laughs> is is Vogon a bit like um, what is it in uh, Star Trek? Uh, what do they speak in Vulcan? Vulcan, that's it. Yeah, mm. yeah. I think it's more bureaucracy in Vogon, isn't it? They're very bureaucratic, mm. bunch of. Uh, but, but I don't think that's a specific language, though, bureaucracy. Well, I think they've turned it into one. <laughs> I suppose you could argue that, couldn't uh, you? Yeah. Triplicate. Oh, yeah, there was that bit in it as yeah. well. It? That was such a good thing, wasn't it? The uh, <laughs> the thing, I can't remember what it was called. The, the <laughs> restaurant at the end of the, the street. <laughs> restaurant at the end of the universe. The, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, that was it. God, I'm so old, I can't even remember what it's called now. (laughs) But it shows how successful that book is because you can, you know, we're so familiar with these lines. I mean, life, don't talk to me about life, is Marvin, isn't it? It is. That's what he always says when he's, I think he's been stuck in a car park for 10,000 years. That's it, yeah. 100,000 years. And uh, the. Um, the I think it's 10 million. Is it 10 million? Yeah. Yeah. The first million was the worst. He yeah. Said. Second million weren't much better. Yeah. The third million, they were depressing. Yeah. yeah. I like the um, the metaphor of you were a Babelfish translating everything. Of course, Babelfish, you can now get those, can't you? You can now get things you can stick in your ear that will translate stuff. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. become reality, uh, apart from the fact it was a fish. It's not an actual fish. Well, it's not an actual fish, <laughs> but, no, but yeah. it's in, but, a fish in the, in the technological sense of the word. Yeah. Essentially, yeah, he's, he was but, yeah. well ahead of his time. Well, there's a really himself. poignant line. You, you turned a, a, a very familiar line, if you're familiar, obviously, to Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah. But I love the sound that deadlines make as they go whooshing by. Yours passed in 2001. Mm-hmm. You know, that's very poignant all of a sudden, the way it turns it like is, that. Yeah. To... Um, like seeing somebody's life as a deadline. Mm. Um, yeah, it's clever. It but also clever. Um, quite touching because, you know, he he was lost too early, wasn't he, really? Yeah. And you wonder what else he would have written that would have been, especially nowadays, mm. the jokes he would have done about mm. how humans are seemingly getting more insane. <laughs> um, well, what would he have made of the last few years? I mean... <laughs> Yeah, it, it's just, um, I mean, he, he was really, you know, he, he could see the way that technology was going to change mm. the world. And um, he wrote about that, you know, in the 70s. And 
but but he was always very aware of it wasn't just the technology it was about what makes us human and what yeah. how we are and and how ridiculous we are really yes. um, and but he was able to make sense of that in some sort of scientific way which is also very the, the, real. the the bit that makes me laugh is when I think there's a planet that's dying and they escape with three spaceships and on the different spaceships everyone's got they were they were sort of from different levels of society mm. and they wanted to get rid of the ones that they thought mm. were useless the telephone cleaners the middle the middle section the middle oh, yeah section. with the, the spaceships sent from the planet and yeah, only two were actually set. Yeah, yeah. And it, only one was sent, but the other two stayed behind, didn't they? Something like that, just so they could get rid of the middle classes. Yeah, and, yeah. but but then they the realised that they all got wiped out because there was a virus that were on the, that were on telephones. All the telephone <laughs> sanitizers had left, yeah. which, which is like you know, it's not to degrade anyone that's ever no. cleaned. Tele- I don't even know if that's a thing, but it must be. Mm. But I thought it was quite a funny you know, yeah. observation about how humans, when they try to plan everything, mm. thinking that they're so much in control and better, yeah. something ridiculous comes along and just, you know, hits you for six, levels you. And when they land on prehistoric Earth, they decide to make leaves the currency. Yeah, mm. yeah, and everyone's rich. And suddenly everyone's rich. <laughs> yeah. Of course, if Douglas Adams had lived, he could have finished Sharda, couldn't he, when, uh, when, <laughs> when Doctor Who came back for, from 2005 onwards. That was a real Hoovian comment, wasn't it? That was a real kind of nerdy mm. thing. How was that like yeah. to write there? It must have been fun, like picking which which sentences, which which um, common phrases that we all love from that. Mm. I I just got them going around in my head. You know, I've 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 loved the books and I loved listening to the radio show when it you know, when it was out and the, and the TV series and everything. Um, so I, I just uh, I just it's just part of my wiring really so yeah so I, I enjoyed writing it because I there's, there's just these phrases that I that are just normal for me and yeah. um, um, I, I wrote a um, the other thing I, this kind of is follows on from I wrote a role playing game a couple of years ago which was uh, set in the Hitchhiker's World oh, uh, nice. and I wrote this whole story about I was with it with a friend and we did a, um, a a kind of a parallel game where we ran it at the same time and it was mm. two different universes it was quite complicated so they, we had these the tv version and the film version of mm. these characters and um, so I did a lot of research into the the, the backstory and and the universe mm. and the different kind of um uh, the different characters that could be brought into mm. it to try and get that to work um, do you think that there's a venn diagram of uh people that like poetry and people that are uh, Doctor Who and uh, Douglas Adams nerds and how big do you think the centre part of that Venn diagram is (laughs) for poets I I think there are some yeah yeah, I think so because he did love language and the language is very precise and on the ball and he doesn't mess Mm. around with his words yeah Um, well he mentions Vogon poetry doesn't mm. he literally so like you just Referred to. I'm just suggesting because yeah. if we if that centre section of the Venn diagram is very small, we've just lost a whole load of listeners. <laughs> going, oh my god, they're talking about all that stuff. Oh no, and they maybe they've taken their own lives as a result. We could have been responsible for, for a whole swathe of like you know suicides in the poetry world. Well, you know. Everyone's a critic, and you know yeah. a, lot, a lot of people see all poetry as Vogon poetry. You know, well, that's it, yeah, because they can't stand listening to it yeah. because they find it too too much or whatever. Um, for people who don't know, Vogons wrote the worst, po- the third worst poetry in the universe in the book. That's the idea, yeah. And he, he says who wrote writes the second and the and the absolute worst as well, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, they wrote the third, and there's a yeah. section in it where 
the characters are subjected to listening to Vogon poetry, yeah. and uh, and it's a form of torture. Um, so yes, I think that, <laughs> I think that there are certain uh, certain element of, of people who. Um, uh, who perhaps maybe some science fiction fans or whatever who who just yeah. don't don't like poetry at all and it mm. just doesn't work for them. So I, who's to know? I think that that yeah. there is there is a Venn diagram here, and I think there are people in the middle, the sensible, mm. right thinking people who um, yeah. appreciate humour and words. Mm. And of course, I, I've been to some poetry readings and heard some Vogon poetry. <laughs> I don't think it was intended to be Vogon poetry, but it is. It is kind of like that. So, well, this is the whole thing about science fiction allows you to make points about yeah. the real world. That's yeah. the thing, and this—that was his point in this. You know, he's Douglas Adams has heard a lot of bad poetry, yeah. and he was trying to make this point. Maybe there's an entire race of species that race of species that just. Uh, um, writes terrible poetry and that's their thing um, and that's how they go about torturing people so he used kind of his, his real life experience to put it into the fantasy and, uh, well I, I think I they're that. missing out because you know uh, he made space fun Mm. You know, and, and, and you know, Star Wars, like Star Trek, <laughs> it was really dull and boring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you, well, I mean, it, it's wondrous, definitely, but he made it more fun, wondrous, yeah. Yeah. I thought you said wondrous. And wondrous. It's definitely wondrous. But you could just wander about. Yeah, well, I think it's slightly bored after a while. Depends yeah. how fast you're going, I guess. Yeah. But, um, but it's one, both wondrous and wondrous, it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, the wonder of you. <laughs> the, the wonder of wondering. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm sure if NASA are like, I'm sure they've got something to do with I'm sure they've got like, Hitchhiker's references in some of their things. Oh, actually, so, yeah. Do you know what I mean? References to hot black deserto. Yeah, you know. And, um, um, so, but and also he invented loads of things, didn't he? He he made it fun. He he invented words. And, yeah. You know, worlds and that's what. And to that we will be eternally grateful. Definitely. Absolutely. He solved mysteries of life, the universe, and everything. Or he tried to, anyway. It seems like a natural place to stop, doesn't it? Well, that'll, that's it for part one. And uh, we're going to do a workshop next. Yes, mostly harmless. We've all been scribbling away. And uh, we're going to start with Simon. Uh, this is my poem. It's called Mini Moon. Uh, and I discovered recently that we have a big moon. Uh, that orbits the earth but there are lots and lots of mini moons so they're little asteroids and things that get caught briefly in earth's orbit and then zoom off somewhere um, afterwards i believe Uh, and so this is a poem called mini moon drifting through the night like chalk dust left over from the hardest math sum ever down a blackboard Catch me with the back of your hand and I'll circle you irrationally forever. That's that's it. It's weird, isn't it? I wrote it and then I looked back and thought, that's really strange. Catch me with... Sorry, what? Catch me with... Catch me with the back of your hand and I'll circle you irrationally forever. Like pie. Mm. Pie is an irrational number. I was going to say, I like all the mathematical references in there. It's just that idea of chalk dust left falling down a blackboard. Because it, it's like the, the asteroid floating in space and being caught. 
but catch me with the back of your hand. And it's kind of like when you go punch somebody like the back of your hand. Kind of mm. So that's you quite odd. Yeah, yeah. So it's a puzzling poem. A bit of a brutal kind of truth at the end. But it is, yeah. I like writing a poem and then stopping and then looking back and going, what what, what on earth have I written? And then going, oh my God, I've written that. That's really weird. Flummoxed yourself. I'm well flummoxed, yeah. Yeah. It's, flummoxed. it's nice to have precision words in... Yeah. As quick as Because you navigate space. You do. It requires a lot of precision mathematics. It does, no, otherwise you're never going to get anywhere, are you? And there's art, I suppose you can say, like poetry sometimes requires precise use of words. Yes. Okay, oh, okay. Stage is yours. Yep. I, um, I threw all my words down on a piece of paper, so they're all separated out. So it makes it actually hard to read, because I can't remember the order. So I'll have a go. Um, I was drunk... I stole a colouring book for you. A hole in a fence to a new world. Mm-hmm. It's, it is all over the place, isn't it, on that page? Yeah. Wow. Well, that certainly breaks the rules. It does, doesn't it? There you go. That, I feel like that is... You have to describe it in a way. Yeah, order. what we're looking at at the moment is an A4 pad... And there are letters and uh, for you is in a circle and bottom right hand corner it says stole. And all the letters are just literally all over the place. If you can kind of picture that in your mind. Drunk's written drunkily. Um, I mean, if if I read it from like in that traditional sort of left to right, I'd say I drunk colouring book. Yeah. Was a for you... I hole in offence to a new world stole. Mm. <laughs> it's kind of that, interesting that way as well. What it would, that's what it would yeah. sound like if we read it traditionally. But of course, what we're being invited to do here is to not be traditional. Yeah. And to just go with our... So maybe there's a, a mm. few poems in there, in a way. Was I drunk? Mm. Mm. For you, was I drunk for you? A colouring book. Stole my hole in the fence to another <laughs> stole world. Stole my fence. For you. Yeah, it's like a puzzle. It's yeah. a word puzzle that you kind of put together and yeah. you can uh, uh, get to grips with it in whichever yeah. way that you feel works. Yeah. Which fits the theme as well, the, the yeah. drunk theme of what you're talking about. Be good. You, never, you can't get can't get a centre on it. There's no, no. centre to it. We well, maybe we should take a photograph of this for the... Yeah. For the, our social media outlets. Might need an image, I think, to make that work. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a podcast image. It's you know, but it's fun to write to you know, it is. painting pictures with your, words. Yeah, to yeah. work about with your presentation. That way, let the reader do the work, and then you know, you know, sometimes. Well, absolutely. Some fun. After you put all that effort, come on, nice yeah. To have the reader like pull their finger out. And <laughs> yeah, <in> <laughs> yeah. yeah read once. Yeah, you're coming. Come on, guys. <laughs> Bloody hell. Hey? I mean, right, we, we need to put all this craft into our <laughs> And all they got to do is just sit and read it. Just got to turn up. Just Outrageous. Bloody reading poetry while we're grafting away with our quills. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, I, I, I did use a quill for this one. But who doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, as we on say. On parchment. <laughs> <laughs> 
as poets, we are only half. Yeah. We are only half the story because a lot of yeah. poetry is about what the reader brings to it. So I yeah. think it also touches on a serious point. Yes. Mm. Perhaps. Did you have a big hat with a feather? Yes, I did. Got that home I've yeah. always got my cape ready. Yeah, that's, that's the only way to write poetry. <laughs> Hunched in the corner. Yeah, with a skull on the on the uh, on the table in front of you, with a candle stuck in its eye socket. You gotta have a cape. It's, in, it's yeah. vital for Did every you know, poet. Your cape sent to you, standard. Oh, what from the poetry society? Yeah, yeah normally they send. No, it didn't come through. It normally comes through just around about Christmas, but because I I've done the old cape in, you see. Uh, are you one of these new non capes? No, no, but I, I, you know, I just have to, I just got a blanket out of the airing cupboard and just made do with that because yeah, I can't, you know, can't write a poem without a cape or cape-like, you know, oh. substance on me. Fair play. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? actually better sometimes. Well, really? The old duvet. I'm not going to go capeless, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Get the old duvet. I'm not going to try and write a poem capeless because it's just ridiculous. I, I couldn't cape with that. Ah, nice. Yeah. I like I like the idea of, of travelling on the train with a duvet, writing poetry. Really? Yeah. I'm not sure I'm going to like it in reality. When, when does that happen? Is that a thing? <laughs> but I like the idea of doing it. Leave that man yeah. alone. He's, he's writing a poem. He's writing a poem with, a duvet. with his duvet wrapped around him. So we're going to put that poem maybe up on the... Uh, so there's a link to it so you can actually see what it looks like. Mm. We're trying to... Uh, here we're trying to kind of mess around with with the the way that the words look so on, on my one um i've uh, i only had half the page and i decided to turn it round so it's like it's sideways so i've got a, a wider bit of paper than you normally have uh, cool. and then i've just spread the words out so no space on the sheet so i write sideways hoping longer lines will flow i break lines here and here because rules with spectacular abandon why not words should do what we tell them and not dictate tripping up their form to us bloody words tripping up getting in our way hmm. i like that yeah it's good it's there fun. was a sort of performance aspect of the kind of stopping and starting was very dramatic I thought I like that. It's uh, yeah. I mean, it's, I, I was reading it. I was mixing it up, so it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a, I could probably have read that in a more um, as I wrote it way, but I was kind of yeah, anyway. like a choose your own adventure, isn't it? Like choose your own poem. Mm. Yeah, it's a mixtape poem. Mm. Was that last the getting in the way? Was that what it was feeling like as you were writing it, or? <laughs> Because there's another poem on the sheet. <laughs> there is. Down the side. Mm. And it's like, there's going to be a poem collision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so those are the bloody words getting in the way. The other words that are popping it's up. It's like a sort of warm front of, of words <laughs> about to hit a cold front and there, there's an inevitable storm it's a good of image, words. Isn't it? It's a good image, yeah. like, um, like Imagine like walking through loads of litter, but they're all words. And you're like, bloody, get out. The, I'm trying to... You yeah. Know, What's going on? But you like the words, so that's the thing. You don't hate the words like you mm. hate the litter, but you like the words. Yeah. So maybe it's not litter, maybe it's money. You're walking mm. through like money and you're trying to pick up the money and put it in your pockets. Yeah. 
but they're words. Yeah, I mean, it's that. Yeah, I mean, it's that. It's that. It's, it's, it's very meta, you know. It, it's it kind is, of yeah. it, 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 as it, it's sort of about. It's the process of writing itself. But yes. I was I was doing that on purpose to try and. I quite like the the line. Um, they should do what we tell them. Mm. You know, like you're really starting to. Yeah, a little bit angsty about this. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I was thinking this idea of you, who's in control of you, your words when you're writing. Is it yeah. you or is it mm. inspiration or is it the pen or what's going on? Or is yeah. it the page in this case and the yes. page is dictating that I can't go further than this far? Mm. Um, so it's that's sort of what it's about, just breaking out of these yeah. things and the frustration of that. Um, yeah, it's meant to be like walking down a street and just mm. things everywhere and you can't get a grip on anything. On a practical note, they are quite tough to submit to magazines and so on because Hmm. editors are notoriously um, finicky, finicky about the about all of the um, formatting. And you say, "I want the poem to look like this," and they go, "Well, we can't really fit that in our magazine because it's like this." And do you really want to put loads of tabs in it? And we can't do all the spaces, and you know, it's got to be thirty-eight lines long and. Yeah, we can't go over this side of the page, and they are a bit like that. And it's yes. like, oh, why bother? They but, might yeah. even not want the fact that I've got tripping up. I've got a big arrow that is meant to go in there, and yeah. I read it twice, and that's done on purpose. Mm. <laughs> I think they might object to that. You see, sometimes editors kind of dictate what poetry should be just by simply saying, "No, we can't have that poem looking like that. Mm. It just won't look right in our." magazine unless you get a magazine that's devoted to that kind of concrete poetry that's like really happy to to do mm. crazy stuff yes but i don't know what that magazine is crazy stuff magazine <laughs> i'm sure there's some out there <laughs> that's a good magazine yeah. i'm gonna buy that but you know if there's a whole online world now that i'm sure there's someone somewhere yeah. that, that loves all this kind of breaking out kind of stuff yeah. so hyperlinks and yeah, and uh, hypertexts and but it should be you know because it's it's I I mean I, I love the craft of writing a good poem and you know, you know in a more traditional style but mm. we should be there to essentially mess things up as well yeah you know it's a form of freedom isn't it mm. um, it's like jazz isn't it and it's um it's not. It's not trite if you do it because sometimes you can stumble across something that's, I think, genuinely quite cool. Yeah. Um, I think so too. And so editors, in my opinion, should be a bit more open-minded, some of them. Absolutely. <clears throat> okay, then. Well, I yeah. think we've we've covered space. We've and done it's space, haven't we? Parallel universes and everything today. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, how have your space poems done? Have you managed to explode onto the page? Have you written something about a... <laughs> yeah, watch out. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, send us the words. Um, have you... Just the words. If you can. Just the words. Uh, have, you, have you written something very scientific, uh, something very kind of mathematical, that yeah. kind of thing, but managed to make it sound poetic, which is another thing we were talking about? Um anything like that send it to us and we'll we'll see what we can do for the next episode we'll try and we always try and read out any anything that we get yes so um and then we might even criticize it for you on the next yeah. podcast not trash it not kind of you know, no give you some pointers and be really positive things we like yeah yeah great 
and uh, I think that about wraps it up for now so um, thanks for listening again and uh, we shall see you on the next one mm-hmm. thank you bye bye